All right, well, uh, good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to worship. My name is BJ, and I'm looking forward to jumping into God's word with you this morning. Whether you're worshiping with us here in the West Auditorium, or you're, you're joining us and worshiping online, or for those of you who are in the East Auditorium, or anywhere you are, we're glad and uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting into God's word together this morning. So we're going to be uh, all over the place in scripture, but uh, for the most part, we'll be in the book of Amos. So if you want to turn to uh, the book of Amos, Amos was a prophet. And uh, so we're going to be looking uh, at his words or actually God's words spoken through Amos. Amos is about two thirds of the way through scripture. So as you're turning there, I'd like for you to imagine uh, something kind of crazy, probably something that you've never seen in a church before. Imagine this. Imagine if uh, after the sermon today, uh, as I walked out the doors of, uh, of the West Auditorium here, what if all of you were waiting out there and you grabbed me and beat me up and threw me in prison? And the reason is because I preached to you from God's word. Or, or imagine this, imagine if here in a couple of weeks when uh, Pastor Brian is up uh, to preach again, what if, what if Pastor Brian brings a, an especially convicting message and so you all decide to grab him and throw him in a well? Or, or, or what about this? Well, you know, we, I know that we have a, a congregational meeting coming up here in a couple of weeks and this is kind of, I'm slipping this announcement in, don't miss it, they're really exciting and uh, Anyway, that was a joke. Uh, so let's imagine that at the next congregational meeting, the elders and the pastors and, and all of us, you know, we, we vote together and we decide, man, Pastor Jonathan, his small group studies, they're just, they're just too edgy, they're too convicting and uh, too offensive. And so, you know, we take this vote and we decide to exile him to Egypt. Now, if it was me, and let's say you're exiling me to Kenya or you know, someplace kind of on the equator, I wouldn't mind, probably my family wouldn't mind either, but let's imagine we send Pastor Jonathan to Egypt. Or, or what about this? And, and I don't even wanna name a, a pastor for this because this is way, way out there. What if God instructed one of FCC's pastors to marry a prostitute? I almost wasn't gonna say the P word, but it's in the Bible, so I'm clear. What if, what if God instructed one of our pastors to marry a prostitute in order to illustrate the unfaithfulness of God's people? Wouldn't that be crazy? Can, can you imagine that? Hopefully that never happens at FCC, but you need to know that, believe it or not, these things actually happened. They happened during the time of the prophets. The prophets brought convicting messages, oftentimes from God's word, and the people, they didn't want to hear it. And so they threw people into wells and they exiled people. In fact, we, we read in scripture that, that Amos was, he was deported. He was deported. Uh, Jeremiah was thrown into a well. Hosea was commanded by God to marry a prostitute in order to illustrate the unfaithfulness of his people. This actually happened. We also read in scripture that, that the prophets Isaiah and, and Habakkuk and, and Micah were actually killed. They were executed by the kings. Now, aren't, aren't the kings of God's people and, and the, the messengers of, of God's people, aren't, aren't those supposed to be on the same team? And yet we see here that the kings actually order the execution of, of several prophets. In fact, one story goes like this, that, that there was a man named Zechariah, and Zechariah was a faithful man who spoke on behalf of the Lord. And uh, we read that, that he went into the temple so that he could pray, so that he could worship. He was probably praying for God's people. And yet, as he walked out uh, the front doors of the temple, uh, there were people there who had been commissioned by the king 
to capture him and kill him. He was murdered right there on the front steps of the temple. All because a couple weeks earlier, he'd gone to the king and said, hey, you and your family are, are living in sin. You're not living the way that God wants you to live. Now we have to ask, how in the world did God's chosen people come to a place where they would abuse and even murder his messengers? Well, we have to look at Israel's history in order to understand all of this. And so uh, today we're continuing our walk through the story of the Bible. And uh, hopefully you've been with us for the last couple of weeks. We've been, we've been slowly making our way through scripture. And so today we are going to be looking at uh, the time when God called his people to obedience, excuse me, through the prophets, and they didn't want to listen. They didn't want to heed the warnings. And so if, if you've been reading along with us over the last couple of days or last couple of weeks, and you've been reading the prophets, you would agree with me that, man, these are some pretty challenging messages. This is, this is pretty difficult to hear. But as we have said before, God's word is true and relevant. It, it teaches us, it corrects us, and if we allow it to, it will transform us. God's word has the ability to transform our lives. <clears throat> you know, having been in, in pastoral ministry now for more than 15 years, I've had a number of conversations with, with different people along the way. And, and whether they were early on in, uh, in their faith or maybe they'd been walking with the Lord for a long time, I, I, I continually have kind of this question that comes up. How am I supposed to act? Like, like what am I supposed to do? I, I, I know that Jesus uh, died on the cross for me and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that and that's great, but, but what is my life supposed to look like? We will answer this question today as we look at the message of the prophets. But first, we have to get a little bit of context to figure out how in the world things got so bad uh, that, that the, the God's people would respond this way to the prophets. Well, it all began when God called a man named Abraham by saying to him, I will be your God and you will be my people. And so, so God chose Abraham and his descendants to be, to be his people. And uh, this was known as the covenant. And basically the covenant was this, uh, a promise that God would be faithful to them and they would be faithful to him. And we see this played out throughout scripture, uh, th this covenant, this, this promise, this relationship, this, this commitment between God and his people. Well, eventually, uh, God brought his people into the land that he had promised to give to them. And it was a great land. They had everything that they needed. And so, and so uh, they began to, to thrive. They, they grew wealthy. They grew powerful. They were able to expand their borders. They had everything that they needed because God had blessed them. But in the process of doing this, within a, within a few generations, God's people had forgotten all about him. They stopped reading his word they stopped worshiping him and they began to worship themselves and the idols that were around them. And so in response to their disobedience, God sent the prophets. A prophet was, was a man or a woman who came on behalf of God to bring a message from God. And so God would give them the message and then they would take it either to the king of the day or, or, or the common people or, or sometimes they wrote uh, their message down and, and that's where we get the prophets. That's where we get the words of the prophets today. We see an example of this when God spoke through the prophet Joel. He said, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate. God gave clear instructions and an invitation to return to him, to do what was right. God is a loving and caring father. And he was saying, return to me. I have this life that I have set out for you. 
Well, I found myself in kind of a similar situation a couple weeks ago as we were preparing our children to go to bed. Now, I, I don't know for those of you who have young children or for those of you who at some point in the past had young children, I don't know what uh, this process of getting ready for bed uh, is or was like in your house. But somehow, somehow, you know what? We can go all day and our kids are so well behaved. They're so respectful. They're kind. They're obedient. Yes, mother. Yes, father. And, you know, Mary and I were so patient and kind and nurturing and we're coming alongside them and helping them form as individuals. But somehow, as soon as it's time to get ready for bed, all that flies out the window. It's gone. And so unfortunately, it was one of those nights. It was crazy. It was chaotic. The kids were running in and out of their bedrooms. Pajamas were flying through the air. Somebody's hair got pulled. One of the girls decided to start an art project. I was like, it's T minus two minutes before the lights are supposed to be out and you're getting out paint and brushes. And you know, we are all for uh, encouraging our children's artistic abilities, but not right before bed. And so things had gotten crazy. So I finally gave, uh, I, I gave my final ultimatum. Thus saith the dad. I am gonna go in the other room for a few minutes. And when I come back, you must have your pajamas on and your teeth brushed. You're all capable of doing this. You have to be ready for bed. And if you're not, you will not be allowed to eat donuts with me tomorrow morning. Now, just for the record, we are not above bribing our children at all. And so it just so happened that, that we'd already planned this event where I was gonna take the kids and we were gonna go have da- uh, donuts with dad. It was gonna be kind of this special thing. But now donuts were on the line. The kids knew what they needed to do. And so I excused myself from the situation. I went into the other room so I could fold laundry or do something so I could regain my sanity. And uh, it was up to them to follow the instructions. Now I wanna I want pause here uh, because this is exactly what God did for his people. He gave them clear instructions and an invitation to do what was right. But unfortunately, they continued in their sin. So God sent the prophets now with a new message. And we pick this up in Amos chapter two. Amos chapter two, beginning in verse four. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Judah, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his decrees because they have been led astray by false gods, the gods that their ancestors followed. I will send fire upon Judah and it will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's gonna get it. They're gonna get it. And then he continues on. This is what the Lord says for three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as upon the dust of the ground and they deny justice for the oppressed. And so we see here that uh, basically God's people had been warned again and again to be obedient, but they wouldn't do it. And so now they would be destroyed. I mean, that's, that's a downer of a message, isn't it? But it was true. I mean, God goes on and he describes all kinds of indecent acts of sin. He says that, that, that I, I, I brought you up out of slavery. I, I gave you this land. I raised up priests to lead you in worship and, and prophets to teach you. I've given you everything that you need and yet you have 
abandoned the worship. You have hushed the prophets. You've drugged everyone down in sin. And so now my judgment is coming upon you and no one will escape. Now, what that meant was that this prosperous and strong nation would eventually be conquered and sent into exile. Now, this was a complete surprise to God's people because they thought, you know what? We're invincible. God's given us everything that we need. Our army is strong. Nobody can beat us. And besides, God loves us. We're his favorites. And the truth is, yes, God did love them. But just because you love someone doesn't mean you approve of their decisions or their actions. And so this is where God's people were. They had really, really made a mess of things. Their disobedience played out in a number of different ways. I mean, their, their worship was, was empty and based only in traditions. The prophet Isaiah described their worship as merely lip service to the Lord. All they were doing was going through the motions. Their priorities were, were upside down and all out of whack. The people were selfish. They were pursuing earthly wealth and, and treasure. They trusted in themselves rather than trusting in the Lord. Instead of supporting those who were in need, God's people were suppressing them. As we've already read, they were standing on the heads of the poor. I mean, scripture is very clear, and we see this throughout the Bible, that God cares for the widow. God cares for the orphan. God stands for the oppressed. And because he loves them, we are to love them. And yet we see in scripture that, that God's people were doing just the opposite. They were holding them down. They were using their uh, position of power to hold others down. They were standing on the oppressed. They were exploiting them or they were taking advantage of them, selling them as slaves. I mean, put simply, God's people were embracing sin. They lived their way instead of God's way. They did whatever they wanted, whatever felt good, even if it meant that it dishonored God or hurt others. Now, this is what God's people did. We can, we can look down the list of, of what God's people did but it's difficult to hear this message and not bring it to our day. Because the truth is, we sin. We sin because we're, we're distracted. Sin lures us and, and tempts us. I don't, know, I don't know how many of you have ever seen that, that sign at Jimmy John's. You, you know that sign that says, free smells? Well, when it comes to sin, there are no free smells. Everything comes at a cost. Every time... Every time we take a step in the wrong direction, even if it's just a small one, even if it's just a white lie, even if it's just a, a, a look, we are not honoring God. We are, we are turning our path from what the Lord would have for us. We sin because we're seeking. Maybe, maybe we've been wronged or, or we feel like you know, life has dealt us a bad card and so because we've been hurt, we have this, this blank check. We, we deserve uh, to, to go and hurt others, to, to go and wrong others. We sin because we're prideful. We know it's wrong and we just don't care. We sin at times because we are timid or, or you could say inactive. Because you know, sin isn't just doing bad things. Yes, that's sin, but, but sin is also failing to do the right thing. I mean, when, when, when we stop doing bad things, that's great, but that's only half the equation. God has also called us to actively and intentionally pursue his will. And when we, do, when we fail to do that, we, we, we fall short. We, we sin. 
And so this is, this is where fear and timidity come in. It, it takes courage to stand up for what's right. It takes sacrifice to pursue God's will. It, 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 it takes trust to, to say, hey, God, whatever you want from me, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm going to follow you, even if it means sacrifice. We must not stop short. You know, we can think back to a, a dark era in our own country's history, a time when slavery and oppression were not just common, but they were legal. And as one preacher said during this time, it isn't enough for Christians to not own slaves. We must also seek to set slaves free. We have to be willing to be active in our faith, to take steps of action. We can't fall short. We can't hang back and play it safe. Well, in the same ways, God's people were disobedient. Their worship was empty. They were lured away by false gods. They were selfish and, and worldly. They, they oppressed the weak and they stopped short of doing what was right. Now, I want to contrast the disobedience of God's people with the obedience of the prophets. Because in the midst of all of this, the, the one light was the obedience of the prophets. The prophets were faithful to do what God called them to do. I mean, and think about it. It was difficult to be a prophet. They, they left their livelihoods in order to take an unpopular message to people who would reject them. And in some cases, as we've already seen, that rejection came in the form of physical danger and, and even death. And yet the prophets were, were willing to be faithful to what God had called them to. It was not easy to be a prophet. And not only were they, were they in danger, not only were they, were they ridiculed, but they also carried around the burden of their messages. In fact, the, the, the English word that we have in our Bibles as, as message or, or pronouncement that was, that was used to describe what, what the uh, prophet said, uh, in the ancient Hebrew language, uh, this, this word would have been masah, which, which literally meant to lift up, to, to stand up under a, a heavy burden, something that was, that was difficult. These messages that they brought, they were burdens. They, they were difficult. It wasn't easy for them to share these messages. I mean, you can imagine the, the broken hearts of the prophets as they stood before their own people, their, their family members, their friends, and said, listen, this is what God is, is calling you to. God is calling you back to himself. And so many times that message fell on deaf ears. But thanks be to God that the prophets were willing to be obedient because you know who's, who's benefiting from their words? We are. We have the words of the prophets to instruct us, to, to encourage us, to, to correct us. The prophets were obedient even when it required sacrifice because they saw the bigger picture. They saw the, the end of the story. It didn't matter that they were completely countercultural because they knew that it was worth it to honor God. Well, unfortunately, apart from the obedience of the prophets, the rest of God's people continued to pursue sin and selfishness and, uh, and things went from bad to worse. Which brings us back to bedtime at the Leonard Madhouse. So after taking a couple minutes away to, to, like I said, kind of regain my sanity, I walk back into the bedroom and I'm glad to report that three of the four children were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. But the fourth child, who will remain unnamed, 
decided that instead of getting ready for bed, they should smear toothpaste all over their mirror. And so I walk in and I see this mosaic of toothpaste just, just up all over the place. And I, I was upset, honestly. I, I, so I immediately went up to, to DEFCON 4 and I said, listen here, unnamed child. You were supposed to be getting ready for bed, but instead you made a huge mess. No donuts. I dropped the mic and I walked out. God rightfully handed his people over to be conquered and destroyed. He had given them warning after warning, and yet they disobeyed. Friends, the reason that disobedience is such a big deal is because God is perfect and righteous. Sin must be paid for. Someone must pay. Well, that night, uh, we finally got the kids calmed down because you know when, when one of them is disciplined, they all cry and they're all you know, crying together. So we, we got them calmed down and we got them in bed. Uh, we, we read the Bible for the evening. We turned the lights out. Uh, we prayed, Lord, help us all. And uh, I decided I was just gonna sit in their, in their room for just a few more minutes there. So I, I sat down, kind of leaning up against the dresser and... Uh, a few minutes later, a repentant little child crawled onto my lap and said, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I know that I shouldn't have made that mess. Do you forgive me? Amidst God's holiness and his righteous judgment, the Bible is also clear that God is a loving father. A loving father. In fact, the Bible goes as far as saying that as much as we who are imperfect people know how to love our children, how much more does our father in heaven, our perfect father in heaven, know how to show love? God is faithful to forgive and extend love to his children. Even in the midst of Israel's great sin and their coming judgment, God promised that one day there would be a remnant of hope. We see this in the final words of the prophecy of Amos. In chapter nine, it says, I will bring back my exiled people Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land that I have given to them, says the Lord your God. And I believe the key to this passage is, is the second to last word, your God. Even through their sin and selfishness, even through the punishment that they, that they justly deserved, through exile in a faraway land, God would never leave them or forsake them. God would keep his covenant as their God. Isn't that amazing? In the midst of this judgment, we see God's amazing love for his people. So what do we do with all this? What, is, what does this mean for us? Well, the same covenant is in place for us. God, by his nature, requires perfect obedience, faithfulness, and genuine love. But the truth is, just like God's people, we sin. We, we are naturally selfish and prideful. We, we make things like, like money and sex and power and possessions into, into idols that we worship. So many times, we put other things above God. And in doing so, we sin we don't measure up to God's perfect standard and, and we fall desperately short. But as we see throughout the Bible, God holds sin accountable and redeems it with divine love. 
This redemption doesn't dismiss the sin, it pays for it. God doesn't say, oh, it's okay that you sin. Come here, I still love you. No, God says, you sinned and someone must pay. The ultimate and final expression of God's love for us and this redemption was this. God sent his perfect son, Jesus, to die in our place so that whoever believes and follow him will be saved. When we couldn't fulfill the covenant, God fulfilled it for us. This is what Jesus said as, as he sat down with his disciples at the Last Supper. He said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus fulfilled the covenant for us. This is amazing news. This is, this is the message of the gospel. This is the hope that we have. So our response to all of this is obedience. We are obedient to the God who loves us, the God who has saved us, and the God who has called us to be a part of his mission here on earth. Think about it. We get to be God's representatives in the places that we live. We get to be the, the carriers, the carriers of, this, of this good news, this message to those who are around us. We don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. And yet God allows us to be on his team. Jesus paid for our sins, but God still deserves our obedience. Yes, Jesus paid for our sins, but God still deserves our obedience because he is perfect and right. And so we glorify him when we are obedient to his word. I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine that you have some type of special occasion that you're celebrating. Maybe it's a, a birthday or an anniversary or something. And so you decide, you know what? Friday evening, we're going out to a nice restaurant, we're gonna get a great meal. And so, so you're excited, uh, the day finally comes, you, you get to that restaurant, and uh, you've been thinking all week about what you're gonna order. And it's finally time, tonight's the night, and so the, uh, the server comes, and you order a great big steak. Now imagine, if, if you don't like steak, by the way, imagine that you like steak, okay? Because that's what carries this, this illustration through, okay? So, uh, so you're, you're looking forward to this, this big juicy steak, you order the steak, a server goes off to the kitchen and you're sitting there, you're waiting, you're, you're getting really excited. Uh, if you were like me, you kind of went a little light on lunch so you'll be extra hungry at supper time. And so yeah, you're really, really excited. Time's going by and it's, it's five minutes later, 10 minutes later, you're, you're starting to get hungry. I'm literally getting hungry right now talking to you about this. And so uh, you're just, you're really excited. And soon the server comes out. They have a that great big platter, the steam is coming off of it. You're just, you're so excited. And he come walking by and they set down a salad instead of a steak. And not only is it a salad, it's like a three day old limp salad that they kind of dug out of the bottom of the bag. And so you're sitting there and you're like, excuse me, I, I think maybe there was a mistake here. And I'm pretty sure there's a steak back there. Mistake, that, that's no pun intended, that's good. I wish I would have come up that earlier in the, in the weekend. Anyway, so I think there was a mistake here. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's steak back there in the kitchen with my name on it. Uh, you can just bring that out. Everything will be good. No problem at all. And the server comes over and goes, oh, so you noticed it's not a steak. Yeah, well, you know, I, I know you ordered a steak, but we got back in the kitchen. We got to thinking, you know it'd just be a lot more convenient for us to give you a salad and definitely a lot cheaper. And so we figured you wouldn't mind. Is that okay? I feel like this is what we do to God. God has given us his order. 
God has said, this is what pleases me. This is, this is what honors me. This is what will lead others to know me. God has told us precisely what he wants, but then we give him something that works better for us. I feel like at times we have traded God's commands for our convenience. God and his word are absolute truth and absolute authority. His commands, they're not optional advice to be used uh, when, when making decisions. God's word was never meant to be, to be molded and shaped to fit our lives. Rather, we are the ones who must conform. We must mold and shape our lives to fit his commands. This is why Jesus said, anyone who wants to come after me as one of my followers must deny himself and take up his cross. Our lives painfully and sacrificially take on the shape of the cross, the unnatural shape of the cross, which results in death. We do this because this is what God calls us to do. We change our lives. We change our habits. We change our rhythms to fit God's commands. You know, this, this conformity, this submission, it wasn't popular in the prophet's day. It wasn't popular in Jesus' day. And we know it's not popular in our day. But I need to tell you, this is, this is what's right. And I'm gonna be honest, for the last couple of weeks as I've been studying the prophets, as I've been thinking and, and preparing for this weekend, I need to tell you, this has been messing with me. As I preach this message, I'm sitting right here on the front row because I fall short. I'm convenient. I, I, I work for convenience. There's so many times that, that I mess up and it's just another excuse. I fear that, that so many times, <laughs> yeah. I fear that so many times we know exactly what we should do but we just don't do it. I mean, we could, we could, we could look in scripture. We could, we could look at, at Exodus 20 and, and, and you know, the, the 10 commandments are right there. Do this, do this, don't do this. We could, we could look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, where Jesus says, this is, this is how you should see the world. This is the attitude that you should have. We could, we could look at Colossians 3, where, where the apostle Paul speaks to the early Christians about how they ought to live, how they ought to love one another and, and sacrifice for one another. But as I said, we know what we should do, we just don't do it. I fear that oftentimes we are experts at conviction, but failures at action. We are surrounded by so many um, sources of information. I mean, how many Bibles do we have at our house? How, how, how many podcasts can we listen to? How many songs can we listen to in our van? How many devotions can we read? We are surrounded by information but we just have to do it. We can't be failures at action. Does that apply to you? I know that it applies to me. We shouldn't fool ourselves. If we're completely honest, we would say, you know what, there's this one area of my life where I'm disobedient. There's, there's this one relationship that's not God honoring. There's, there's this one part of my life, whether it's you know, my time or, or my finances or, 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 or my trust in the Lord. I'm, I'm still trying to build my kingdom instead of God's kingdom. All of us must examine ourselves and see where God is calling us to be 
obedient. Whether you're a student who's seeking to honor God with the, with the direction of your life, or whether, whether you're a little bit older and you have opportunities to honor God with, with the resources and, and the experiences that he has given to you, all of us have opportunities to honor God. And I know this goes so much against the culture that tells us, build your empire, climb to the top, submit to no one, do you. I mean, this, this mindset is, is ubiquitous. It's, it's everywhere. Everywhere in the world is telling us to do what's best for us, that we are top priority. But the truth is, all of us will stand before God one day. I mean, think about it. Each one of us will stand before the creator and the judge of all things. Everything that we've accomplished, everything that we've acquired, our education, the awards that we have, our net worth, it will mean nothing. The only thing that will matter is this. Were we obedient to the Lord? Were we obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not suggesting in any way that you know, we can earn God's acceptance through our actions. The Bible is very clear in saying that we are accepted by God only because of what Jesus did for us. However, Jesus must be Lord of our lives. We must have a living and active faith in him. And so our choice is simple. May we choose obedience. And so we wanna give you uh, some time now to, to really think, to pray about where God is calling you to be obedient. Where is God calling you to submit to him? We each must search ourselves and, and, and be honest and say, God, this is a place where I'm falling short. And so you'll see uh, cards like this in, uh, in your pew rack, as well as uh, there should be some in your, uh, in your program. If you're in the East Auditorium, uh, you'll see those at the end of your row along with some pens there. And uh, this is an opportunity for you to take some time to think and to pray about where God is calling you to be obedient. Where can you pursue obedience? And uh, you might be thinking, I'll, I'll take this home and I'll, I'll think about it and write something down later. Take some time now. Uh, the team is gonna lead us in each room. Take some time now, write something down. Pursue obedience, honor God, give him the glory that he deserves. And then, and then take this card home and, and put it someplace where you'll see it. Someplace where it'll be a visible reminder of your commitment to serving the Lord. Let me pray for us as we, as we prepare to do this. God, we know that you are faithful when we humble ourselves and we come before you. God, we know that, that you, are, you are a good God. Lord, that when we don't have the strength to pursue obedience, Lord, if we, if we fall at your feet and we ask you for help, Lord, that you will help us. Lord, for, for people in the room today, God, I know that, that there are some people who are saying, Lord, there are too many things. There are too many obstacles. My life is full of too many sins. And yet, Lord, you are faithful to help us. And God, for others of us, Lord, who, who have been walking with you for, for a long time, Lord, don't let us fall to the temptation of thinking we're just fine because God, we're not. Lord, convict us now. Convict us for your glory and may we seek to live in a way that honors you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.